Hi everyone, I'm Frank Rock and welcome to the From the Hack podcast for week 3 of the 2018-2019 curling season. This week we offer part 2 of our season preview and we turn our focus to the US. Our guests include Olympic champion John Schuster, Alex Carlson of Team Sinclair, Tabitha Peterson of Team Roth, and Phil Drobnik, the Director of Coaching at USA Curling. All that and more this week, but first, Canadian musician and non-curler extraordinaire Jimmy Reed plays us into the podcast. So before we get started, if you've ever wondered how they get those nice graphics into the ice at Grand Slams at the World Championships and at Nationals in Canada and the US, well the answer is provided by Jedi's, whose in-ice graphics from easy and textile logos to the world famous Jedi's Full House product are great ways for clubs to enhance the appearance of their ice and to generate much needed additional sponsorship revenues. Easy and textile logos are the industry standard for high quality logos and they're a snap to install. Meanwhile, Jedi's customizable full houses are a relatively new way for clubs to grow sponsorship revenues by offering maximum brand recognition to those sponsors. No one can match Jedi's design services, quick turnaround times, and product quality, which is why Jedi's products are valued by major organizations such as Curling Canada, the World Curling Federation, USA Curling, and Sportsnet, who trust Jedi's to provide the products they require for their high-profile events. Jedi's. They bring ice to life. And now this week's results from the world of curling, brought to you by the Curling Zone, where you can get the latest scores as they happen throughout the curling season. This week, the Oakville Fall Classic was the only event on both the men's and women's tours, and both champions are from the land of the rising sun. In the women's event, it was Team Yoshimura of Sapporo, defeating Team Hobson of Ottawa 5-1 in the final, while in the men's event, it was Team Matsumura, also from Sapporo, defeating Matt Dunstone and his new team based in Regina, Saskatchewan, by a score of 9-2. There were also two mixed doubles events last week at the Audi Quattro Winter Games in New Zealand. The husband and wife team of Jennifer Jones and Brent Lang took the gold over the Scottish team of Jane Sterling and Fraser Kingen, while the American team of Sarah Anderson and Corey Dropkin snagged the bronze medal by defeating a team from Norway. Closer to home, it was a team of Jocelyn Peterman and Brett Gallant, defeating the reigning Canadian champions and world bronze medalists Laura Walker and Kirk Myers by a score of 7-5 to win the inaugural Battleford Mixed Doubles Classic. We'll get to part two of our season preview in a moment, but first, a quick word from Hardline Curling. With the curling season about to start at many clubs around the world, if you're looking to buy some new curling equipment, look no further than Hardline Curling. Whether you're just starting out or an elite curler, Hardline is a choice in high-performance and recreational curling equipment. Don't settle for cheap imitations. Hardline has been at the forefront of the most innovative curling equipment ever since they came onto the scene seven years ago. If you haven't yet experienced Hardline's ice pad, the time has definitely come to try out and discover why more and more top pro teams from around the world have switched over to play with Hardline gear. And Hardline is not just curling brooms. They offer a full range of curling equipment to get you playing your best, including shoes, apparel, and the Pro Slide Delivery Aid designed by Reed Carruthers. Visit their website at www.hardlinecurling.com and see for yourself why Hardline is the ultimate choice for high-performance curling. In part two of our season preview, our focus shifts to the U.S., where the 2017-2018 season was an exceptional one for the sport of curling. Led by Team Schuster's historic gold medal victory at the Winter Olympics in Pyeongchang and ending with Team Sinclair's victory at the Players' Championship. The 2018-2019 season started with two American women's teams ranked in the top ten in the world. We will speak to the thirds of both teams in a few moments, but first, we catch up with the Olympic gold medalist skip, John Schuster. 
John, we haven't chatted since a few days following the Olympic trial, so I'm going to start by asking you a couple of questions about the Olympics themselves. Now, years from now, when you get interviewed about the 2018 Olympics, people will understandably ask you about the final versus Sweden and that shot for five that you made which blew open the championship final. However, I think it could be argued that the other important moment for your team in those Olympics was a round-robin win over Canada, which not only kept your playoff hopes alive, but gave you some much-needed confidence heading into your final two round-robin games versus the Swiss and Great Britain. You showed a lot of emotion after that game. In retrospect, was that perhaps the second biggest moment of the week and the Olympic competition for you and your team? Uh, I'd say that's probably the biggest moment, honestly. You know, when you when you start slow, I mean, I mean, we were two and two through four games. Was you know, had two winnable games that we thought in one day, and ended up dropping them both to, to Japan and Norway there. And then, um, yeah, no, if if we hadn't if we hadn't found what we found prior to that Canada game, and then went out and got that win, you know, it, that that definitely was what turned turned that entire Olympics around for us was was that particular game, and. Uh, yeah, and and it was great to to be able to build off that and, and carry it through and and do what we did. John, you started the 2018 Olympic cycle by getting rejected by the U.S. High Performance Program, and you ended the 2018 Olympic cycle as an Olympic gold medalist. You basically bet on yourself back in 2015, and you ended up cashing in. How much pride do you take in the fact that you stuck with it, believed in yourself and your teammates, and within a few short years, you found yourself on top of the Olympic podium? You know, uh, I mean, a lot, obviously, but I think, you know, it had nothing necessarily to do with, uh, you know, betting on yourself. Like, you, in curling, especially in the U.S., where we're not making, you know, we're not making a living uh, off curling. I mean, maybe a little bit now, but my my plan was whether whether you're funded or not to, to keep going, keep playing. And, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not that much different than the, you know, number 10 through 100 teams in the world that, um, you know, that aren't funded. So, uh, it, it wasn't a huge change. I was disappointed because I thought that, you know, for me that I had done what I needed to do to, to maybe be funded. And then also, um, I, I thought that I had collaborated enough with, uh, you know, with our coaching staff and the people that, you know, to kind of help build and, and, you know, I, I gave them a lot of insight on what I saw that we needed to maybe do or change or improve on to get better results and, and I thought that that was that was my biggest disappointment in the deal is that I thought that I had collaborated a lot on that and all of a sudden I wasn't going to reap the benefits of it. But I also knew what I collaborated with on that stuff and knew I, that we could do it on our own. It just was going to be a little more difficult without uh, without the funding to do that. Needless to say that you and your teammates have experienced a lot of neat things since your Olympic victory. You've been to the White House, you've been on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, and appeared at numerous sporting events. Can you share a couple of stories that stand out from all of these experiences you've had since you've returned from winning the gold medal at the Olympics in Pyeongchang? They've all been unique and awesome in their own light. You know, I thought one of the coolest things that we've got a chance to do was to uh, to, to deliver the puck uh, for the puck drop in the Stadium Series outdoor game. Uh, in Washington D.C. between the Caps and the uh, and the Leafs, and it ended up being even cooler. That, you know, the Caps went on and won the Stanley Cup. So, um, you know that that was crazy. I mean, when you're standing out there getting ready to throw a rock, and people knew who you were, you know, already when we we're in the stands. And then, I mean, there was the place erupted with chants of USA, and 
Um, and yeah, we took a million pictures and and kind of got mobbed. And that was uh, that was a Saturday following our gold medal. So it was only a week away from winning our gold medal, and that was crazy. Um, and then for me personally, uh, I got to go to the state dinner uh, at the White House. So you know, not many people in the world get to see a place like that, like it was meant to host, like an event kind of deal, and um, to to realize what that was in firsthand, you know, I've been to, it was my fifth trip to the White House, which I went to the White House again later that week for my sixth trip in my life, but um, to see it in, a, in all its glory, essentially, was uh, was really, really unique and pretty cool, and, you know, I'd be remiss to, like, to not talk about the, you know, throwing out the first pitch at the home opener for the Twins, like, I mean, going to Twins games has always been a treat for me, because I'm a Twins fan since, pretty much since birth, I mean, I was at Game 7 of the 91 World Series, which was you know, arguably one of the best games in baseball history. And so to be uh, invited to do that and be part of that day uh, with an organization that's been, you know, my, probably my number one sports organization uh, of my life was, was really cool. So, but, uh, yeah, and, and, yeah, we've got to do a lot of other cool things. I guess I, I played in a celebrity golf tournament with uh, uh, Kyle Rudolph and Jason Zucker hosted it, so I played with some people, and I actually won it. So that's the only reason that was a highlight above everything else. <laughs> Obviously, USA Curling is hoping that your victory in Korea will lead to a growth in the sport in the U.S., and I believe that early reports are positive on that. What's the plan for you and the team during what is already a busy season for you? Are you going to be visiting different parts of the country to help promote the sport? Is that sort of the plan for your team, or are you still trying to find that balance between being an elite competitive team on the World Curling Tour and then serving as an agent of promotion and of growth for the sport in the U.S. following your victory in Pyeongchang? I mean, it's definitely something that we're we're willing to do and wanting to do. Um, it's definitely tricky to balance that with your competitive schedule because, you know, I mean, we're playing – we're already playing coming up here next weekend in Winnipeg and then playing curling in America right after that. Like, uh, so we're playing six days here in August and then one event in September, three in October, and two in November. Yeah, so um, – but, yeah, we definitely have, have things like that schedule. And that's the – you know, that's one of the biggest benefits, you know, Tyler's taking – taking your offer, stepping back from the game, is that he'll be able to probably do that a little bit more openly and easily than the rest of us. But it's definitely something that we're taking upon ourselves because we see the opportunity for USA Curling to grow and, and to grow our sport in our country, and that's something that we don't take lightly for sure. At the end of last season, Tyler George announced that he is taking a step away from the sport this season. So tell us about your new third, Chris Plies, and what he brings to the team. We were excited. He was the, he was the third for Heath McCormick the last couple of years, and the third of the team that we beat in the Olympic Trials final. So um, he's no stranger to um, high level curling right now. He's been on a top twenty five team in the world for the last three or four years. Um, we actually, it's funny. Matt played played two years of juniors with him and had a bunch of success. They won a world junior championship together with Chris skipping and Matt playing second for him. And uh, actually, I think playing lead for him. And then uh, and then that was. 2008 and 9 and back in 2007 actually Chris played second for me back at the World University Games where he actually won the gold there so um, we've had success with him in the past uh, as teammates and he's one of those people that um, he's just a really really good player and and a really good friend of of Matt and and been a good friend of mine too but um, yeah we're excited to, to add him and to see what yeah what we can what we can do with Chris in the lineup I mean it's a, a guy like Tyler George is next to impossible to replace, but a guy like Chris Fly also brings a heck of a lot to the table. 
And finally, John, you're going to have a bigger target on your backs this season as teams will be gunning for the Olympic champs in the same year as you're trying to gel with a new teammate, which could lead to uneven results. That's not a big problem typically in the first year of a new cycle, but are you concerned that if you do have an average season, you might lose some of the momentum you created not only for yourself, but for USA Curling last season, especially with newer casual curling fans that may be bigger fans of Team Schuster than they are fans of the sport at this point? Um, you know, that's one thing that I don't really concern myself with is expectations of others. You know, I, I know that the team that we had these last four years, um, you know, we did everything possible to to focus on to focus on two particular things, and that was, you know, getting ready and being ready when we got to the Olympic trials. So we were in a position to win those, and then upon doing doing that was doing the work so that when we got to the Olympics, we were ready to win those. And honestly, I think <laughs> – Tyler said it best, you know, we never have to win another curling game for the rest of our lives, and no one can ever take the title of Olympic champion away from you. So um, I have a feeling that it's not going to necessarily be a pressure with the target on my back moving forward as so much as, to me, really now getting a chance to enjoy the game of curling and the competitive side of curling a little bit more without the pressure of am I giving up my life, you know, and and making this my lifetime goal for nothing because, I, we've we've hit it. So now I think I, I'm going to have a definitely a different perspective of going out and enjoying it, but also trying to – we have a few different goals now other than uh, strictly, you know, winning Olympic trials and winning Olympic gold. So it should be, it should be fun to chase those. And Jamie Sinclair and her team from Minnesota were one of the best teams in the world over the second half of last season. Not only did they win their first national championship as a team, but they also came up just short of a podium finish at the World Championships and capped off their season by winning the Players' Championship in Toronto. Joining us next is Alex Carlson, the third for Team Sinclair. So Alex, if I would have spoken to you a couple of days after the Olympic trials and told you that you'd finish fourth at Worlds, you'd win the Players' Championship and start this season ranked in the top ten in the world... What kind of look would you have given me? Um, it definitely would have been one of those little fly eye looks and be with that little eye roll being like, um, are you sure? Because that seems kind of not possible. How important was the end of the season for your team? And I, I understand the ranking points, the prestige, the money and all that stuff. But more from a confidence point of view and sort of a justification for the process you had followed. It was it like really important. Uh, interestingly, looking back, I think that if we'd won our Olympic trials, I don't think we would have been the same team that we are now. Uh, I think that we learned a lot from that kind of really, like, heartbreaking defeat, and it taught us that we really felt like we had nothing else to lose, so we took a couple more risks and tried a couple new things, and that ended up really boosting our performance for the end of the season, uh, which obviously we hope to carry through to next year. Or this year, I guess. What did you and the team learn about yourselves last year in a season that included some pretty big highs and some fairly disappointing lows? Uh, We learned that we're a a bit more resilient than we might have given ourselves credit for. Uh, You can see that even in, like, some individual games where we uh, learned to make some really good game comebacks. And even if we didn't necessarily win those exact games, uh, we could see kind of that we're capable of it in... Uh, the short term, which led to our confidence for like a long term, like we're able to turn around uh, having an interesting start to our season and turn it into a very positive outcome. 
Now, this season, you're introducing a new player into the lineup with Sarah Anderson replacing Vicky Persinger at second. For those in our audience that may not be as familiar with Sarah, can you tell us what she brings to the team? Sarah's coming from, she played with Corey Christensen's team last year, so she's got a little bit less experience in some of these crazy high-profile events, uh, but we just love her upbeat attitude, and she's very much a can-do, will-do player. Um, and you can never have too many of those people on a team. I'm not saying that Vicky wasn't one of those people, but that's definitely something we're looking forward to um, having Sarah on the team. And we're also uh, adding a fifth player this year. Our, our season's just getting a little hectic, so we're taking uh, Taylor Anderson along as well. And just having both of them on board, they're super energetic. They're really excited to get this little jump up into the slightly more competitive level of curling, um, and we're just really excited to have them both. It can take a while for a new lineup to gel through no fault of anyone's. I mean, it took Team Kui basically a year and a half to hit their stride, and they had Kui, Kennedy, Lang, and Hebert. I know everyone is likely optimistic, but is there a concern that it could take a while for things to gel? And if so, is it less of a concern when it comes in the first year of a cycle? Uh, that's definitely a known fact. We've looked at some teams like Kui, that's a fantastic example, and watched their first season together, and you can't really judge the potential of a team based on one season. Um, it does make it a little harder with this change in order of merit uh, kind of rankings throughout the season that we kind of have to get a little bit better uh, gelling together early on to maintain our standing. But it's not something that we're super concerned about. We think that we can uh, definitely handle that. And some, sometimes new faces help out a lot, and you actually play fantastic for the first year. So we'll just have to wait and see how that turns out. What does Team Sinclair need to do this season to ensure that you can maintain the form and the consistency that served you so well in the second half of last season? Um, well, we're definitely starting off early this year, maybe not nearly as much as last summer, but we're having a couple good training camps and making sure that we've got some solid team systems in play before we even get on the ice, trying to you know fine-tune some of our slides. We've you know Everyone drifted apart as the season went on, so trying to get it so that we're all back towards a little bit more similar. Uh, just you know, <laughs> trying trying to get everything that we can going as early as we can. Now, curling is a sport where mental preparation can often be as important as physical skills and even execution. Your team is not going to be able to sneak up on other teams this season, and you'll have a bigger target on your backs. How has the team prepared to deal with the fact that week in, week out, you'll now be expected to be among the top teams in the world? That's definitely something we work on. We do spend a lot of time working on our like mental reflection and how to frame different ideas. So framing the fact that we're, we're no longer going into this as the underdog. So what kind of expectations does that weigh on us and how can we frame that into something that's a positive outcome for us or a positive process we want to look at as opposed to being concerned about it and worried. Um, just trying to take that and turn it into our favor. When I spoke with Jamie last year, she indicated that your team had paid a lot of attention to analytics to help you prepare for events and games, specifically towards the end of the season. Is it safe to assume that analytics will be a big part of the mix for your team again this season? Uh, it's definitely something we'll be leaning on this year. It'll be a little interesting to see how the Five Rock rule comes into play in some of the events where it hasn't been played before and how that affects our thinking. But we started with some really simple spots to show how well our analytics can work. You know, you can go back and look, and we've been in this situation 10 times, and if we've never won, well, why not try something a little bit crazier uh, from that spot? 
and just taking that kind of edge off of uh, we're all very numbers-driven people, and we're like, oh, well, if the previous things we were doing got us a 0% chance of winning, why not uh, try something dif- different? <laughs> and finally, Alex, what does the schedule look like for Team Sinclair this season? Did you front-load it to get more reps in with Sarah, or are you focusing more on larger events such as the slams and getting more practice time in with Sarah and her sister to make sure that both of them can gel well with your team? Uh, we tried to do a little bit of balancing act, actually. Um, Sarah is our reigning mixed doubles champion, so she'll be off in New Zealand for some of our early events. Um, so we've got Taylor in the lineup for a couple of those. And then we're just trying to balance out our season, um, not front-loading it too much, not not wearing ourselves out, and with the new Order of Merit, like slowly accumulating concept, just making sure that we're rested and that we perform our best at the events that we need to. But it's a pretty balanced season approach, as best as you can get when everyone else starts play down in, play downs in December. As mentioned last week, From the Hack has partnered with our friends at the Two Girls in the Game podcast and the Curling Legends podcast to create the Curling Podcast Network. This week, the two girls will offer their first podcast of the new season, while the Curling Legends podcast also start their new season with Don Bartlett, who among his many accomplishments, won a silver medal at the 2002 Olympic Games as the lead for Kevin Martin's team. Our next guest this week is Tabitha Peterson, who represented the U.S. in the women's event at the 2018 Winter Olympics as a member of Team Roth. And they start this season ranked in the top 10 in the world. Tabitha, this is the first time that you and I have had a chance to chat, so I have to ask you about your Olympic experience. I realize that you would have probably preferred a better result, but overall, how was the Olympic experience for you from the Olympic Village to the opening ceremony to being around the larger Team USA? Uh, It was absolutely amazing, as one can imagine. By far, my favorite part was the opening ceremony, and that's what everybody says, but it truly was, like, one of the biggest spectacles I've ever seen and been a part of, even, and just the whole anticipation of um, them calling out Team USA and then all of us running out there and doing our walk around the stadium um, was the coolest moment ever. Um, I remember thinking, like, I want to slow it down. Like, why are we running? But they were playing um, Gangnam style when Team USA went out there. So everyone was, like, running. I'm like, we only get one lap. Like, let's slow it down and take it in. But it was it was amazing. The village was great. Um, our little apartment that we were in um, was perfect for the five of us. All the amenities we needed. They didn't really have a finished kitchen, but we, you know, they have the big um, – mess hall, dining hall that all the countries go to to eat, um, and the food was amazing. We got to experience some traditional food over there as well, like going to some restaurants that were, like, out of the bubble. Um, the Korean barbecue was pretty awesome. And, yeah, being a part of the bigger Team USA was probably one of the cooler things, too, because, I mean, we're all staying in the same building, and so you run into some speed skaters and the hockey teams um, in the elevator and just walking to and from. And it was super cool to kind of um, talk with everyone and chat with them and, like, how'd your game go? And we're watching you. And we would go to other other events, and they would come and watch our event. So it was it was really, really cool. You got to watch firsthand as John Schuster and the boys lived the dream in Pyeongchang. How much did their success there and the reaction they received both in Korea and back home get you even more excited to make it back to the Olympics in the hope that you can experience something similar? Yeah, no, you're completely right. 
we're going to put the work in for another four years because that's exactly it. Um, we want to be on the metal stand and on the top of the metal stand. And, you know, that's, it's been so cool to watch the just the exposure for the sport in the USA um, with their gold medal win. And it just keeps going. Like, they keep going to all these other events and get to – Exposed curling to um, many different areas of the country that probably don't really know too much about it, and yeah, I think they're still going on that high, and um, I'm excited for this, this next squad. Hopefully, we're we're sticking together as a team, so hopefully that um, we can kind of keep improving upon things that we were doing the last couple seasons, and and be there in 2022. The good thing about winning big bond spiels and then qualifying for the Olympics is that your ranking improves. The negative side, if you can call it that, is that you become more of a known quantity and you have a bigger target on your backs at different events. Has your team spoken about how you will approach the additional pressure and expectations heading into the 2018-2019 season? Yeah, I mean, we're definitely proud of where we are ranked in the world right now. Um, We worked hard to get there. And, you know, in terms of the added pressure of maybe more of a target on your back versus versus not or being the underdog is, yeah, it's maybe going to be present. But honestly, we've played in so many big events. Like, it's kind of like just another tournament, another game, and you don't really think about that when you're playing. Now, this might be the first time that there are two American women's teams starting the season ranked in the top ten in the world. How exciting is it for you as a player to be part of what is essentially a turning point in women's curling in the U.S.? I know. It's it's extremely exciting, and I think the the USOC, the United States Olympic Committee, um, they've got to be stoked about that. And you know, the whole goal of the high performance program that was established four years ago was to get more teams in the top rankings in the world, and you know, whatever they're doing is working. So I think that they're proud of that, and we're proud to be one of those teams. And yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a fun time to be a part of the sport, that's for sure. You've now played on teams with both Nina Roth and Jamie Sinclair as Skip. Is there a healthy rivalry developing there? I'm not comparing it to the Red Sox and Yankees, but do you think a healthy rivalry between the two teams might help both teams thrive even more? Oh, yeah. I think it's always good for um, really good teams to have a good rival because it only is going to make you better. Um, if you don't really, if you don't have anyone to kind of keep up with or whatever, it's, you could you could take a step back or just kind of fall behind. And so yeah, I mean, I think our all right, our rivalry is is healthy for both teams, um, but it's also friendly. Like we have kind of all played with each other, and you know, I grew up playing juniors with Alex Carlson, who plays on Jamie's team, and we play in league together on Tuesday nights. So it's kind of it's kind of fun, too. Unlike Team Sinclair and Team Christensen, your team did not have to go through any major lineup changes in the off season. Has this perhaps allowed your team more of a chance to rest and recover over the summer as opposed to having to do team-building exercises, etc., to get used to new teammates? Yeah, I, I definitely think that there's some truth to that. Um, we've definitely been taking some relaxation time um, away from curling to kind of get that spark back and I'm already getting ready for the season and it's and well I guess it's August now but 
Yeah, it's coming around the corner pretty quickly, and we've we've been chatting all summer, uh, making plans and and everything like that, and our schedule and everything. But it is nice because it kind of just is easy to just flow into the next season. And finally, Tabitha, what does Team Roth need to focus on and perhaps improve on this season in order to maintain your spot in the top ten in the world? I think the biggest challenge for us, and you know, it's every team is going to be in the same boat, but. Um, the whole five rock rule thing, yeah, we played in some slams last year and, and got dipped our toes in it a little bit, but um, definitely we're not used to that game as much as the regular or before was the regular four rock rule. So I think that we're going to have to kind of hone in on the strategy of the five rock rule and um, do a little bit more, you know, video and, and stuff like that to kind of stay up to up to par on that. Our final guest this week is Phil Drobnik, the Director of Coaching at USA Curling, who joins us to discuss the teams in USA Curling's high-performance program at the start of this new Olympic cycle. Phil, during the off-season, USA Curling announced that you'd be taking an expanded role within the organization. Can you tell us about that new role with USA Curling? Yeah, it's the, uh, I was named the Director of Coaching and uh, the men's national coach, so uh, basically um, overseeing all of the coaches in uh, 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 under in, in USA Curling, um, so you know this year we are working on bringing in uh, six team coaches, and then uh, as well as bringing in uh, Pete Fenson as the uh, national coach for USA Curling for uh, for the women's women's side of uh, USA Curling. You know we put this in place to, uh, as a as a as a communication piece basically to uh, help gap communications from from USA Curling to ensure that they're getting to the coaches and ensure that that's getting to the athletes. It's just another level to uh, to make sure that we are, uh, you know, dotting our I's, crossing our T's, and making sure that uh, we can, uh, the athletes have everything that they can have so that they can be successful on the ice. It's been a little over six months now since Team Schuster won the gold medal in Pyeongchang. What kind of energy has that gold medal brought to the high-performance program? And just as importantly, what are some of the early signs of the impact that the gold medal will have on the growth of curling in the U.S.? Yeah, it's been, it's been uh, really unbelievable uh, on the coasts, um, for sure. They've, their open houses have been, um, you know, they're, they're booked through this, the end of this year. You know, they're having people signing up and, and and uh, they're full. You can't get in them. Uh, the clubs uh, across the country are, are are growing, and they're getting people interested. There's new clubs that people that are calling the offices, uh, the U.S. curling offices, trying to build new clubs, get new um, access to ice. So you know, from from that aspect, it's been it's been great. Um, and then even just to to bring up the curling as a whole, just awareness about it. Um, people that don't uh, aren't curlers, but that we're watching curling and hearing the stories. Um, we've we've traveled across the the country to, to various places um, to to celebrate the the gold, and and the guys have obviously done a lot more than I have. But uh, in the few places that I've been, just hearing the stories of people that uh, while we've never watched curling, but we were up at two o'clock in the morning watching you guys win the gold, and you know, so that so the awareness of curling is now out there, and people understand what it is, and people are going to be more likely this season to tune into curling that's on TV. We, we're fortunate enough with, uh, you know, to continue our contract with uh, with Curling Night in America, so we'll have the, the nine programs on NBC Sports again this season, so um, people will be watching for that. Uh, John's team is... Uh, 
is the is the men's team for that as well as um, Nina's team for the for the women's. So they'll be able to uh, to have access to that. Um, the world the edition of the World Cups uh, is going to have a, additional TV time, so uh, which which will be accessible to all of the. Uh, the country, so uh, you know, I think that getting curling on TV more is, is is important for us because we know that the more people that watch it, the more likely the sport is going to be to grow. Well, let's start a discussion of some of the teams in USA Curling's high performance program with the reigning Olympic champions, Team Schuster, who have added Chris Plies to team at third when Tyler George decided to step away from competitive curling, at least for the time being. Much will be expected of Team Schuster this season, but do you believe that it might be a bit more of a time of transition for them this season? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it's gonna it's a transition. Uh, anytime you bring a new body in or a new person in, and um, figuring out a new role and what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are, and uh, you know how to play to their strengths. So, you know, it's it's always going to be a transition. Um, you know, hopefully, we can assist those guys in, in in making the transition as smooth as possible. So that would be uh, you know that's important. And then. Um, you know, it, it being the 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 reigning reigning Olympic champions. Well, I mean, teams are going to be pushing a little extra hard, no matter uh, if it's a uh, it's a spiel in Canada or a spiel in the U.S. You know, that, that's a that's a good takeaway for uh, any any team to be able to say, hey, we went out and beat the uh, the Olympic champ. So, um, you know, there's no doubt teams are going to be gunning a little extra hard for them this season. And uh, you know, the, as long as they take it in stride and have realistic goals and and are um, and are just focusing on what they're doing. Uh, you know, they they should be able to handle it, handle it pretty well. Um, you know, they still are. Uh, you know, going to be transitioning with that team. So so realist. As long as they're realistic about things and and going it with the right mindset. Uh, you know, I, I think John's correct that it, that it shouldn't be a huge issue. Um, but you know, it'll also be you know the the team around the team that they have will will help to assist them deal with that as well. So. And we have a great sports psychologist that we work with in, in Carly Anderson and, and Dr. Anderson, and, and she's uh, really close with the team, so that will, that will help. Rich Ronan and his uh, national championship team are back this season as a unit, but the third men's team in the high-performance program is old but new with Corey Dropkin as Skip. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about Corey and his team who know each other well but are starting fresh in this new cycle after some time apart? Yeah, the, I'm, I'm excited about this team. I actually had the opportunity to, to to work with these guys and coach these guys back in 2012 and, and 2013 when they were in juniors. Um, so it's uh, uh, Corey Dropkin and Mark Fenner and Tom Howell and uh, Alex Fenson. Uh, the Fenson name is probably recognizable to most of the viewers, and uh, that is Pete Fenson's son. So uh, he is he's playing lead. Mark Fenner's playing second and going to be skipping the team. And uh, playing third is Tom Howell, and uh, throwing last rocks is Corey Dropkin. Um, you know, the reason we were, Corey loves to sweep; he's one of the best sweepers we have in the country. So um, he he felt that it was going to be his best spot to be uh, to be sweeping his sweeping rocks before he comes to throw. So um, hence the reason why we're having Mark uh, skip the game, and and Mark's a, a real curling mind, watches a ton of games, is is has. Uh, He's a really smart kid, so uh, you know I, I feel like that transition for him will go go pretty smooth. They are uh, they they won the 
silver medal in uh, 2016 at the Junior World Championships as a team. Played together a long time. They've probably got three to four years in juniors that they played together and then kind of went their own way for two years when uh, in the last two years of last year's quad to kind of gain go and gain experiences. Obviously, Tom and Corey went and played with Heath McCormick and Chris Plies, so they got to learn from, from one of our, our best uh, uh, aggressive uh, um, offensive skips in the country in Heath McCormick. And then uh, Alex and Mark went and played with Pete Benson, who's got a great mind for the game. So they both kind of went their own ways and did some learning. And now it's, we, we felt uh, as a high-performance program that we need to get a young team out there and, and get them started into the game. So um, there was no better time than now to, to get this team back together. They've got a lot of team systems and a lot of things that they've they've already built over the four years that they played together and bringing in what they've learned over the last two years. I'm excited to, to get these guys out on the ice. Uh, it's obviously going to be a transition and a learning curve and being realistic again with like with these guys about their goals. Um, you know, we're bringing in uh, Sean Rojeski as a coach for this team. He's, uh, he's going to be a, a great addition um, for, for these guys. Uh, you know, he's been around the game bronze medalist in the Olympics in 2006, been playing at a high level for a long time, So, uh, and has a relationship with all the guys, knows the guys well. So, um, you know, I feel like he's going to really help them. Uh, that With that with that experience factor, he's going to really, really help guide them down that uh, that track. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, this is, this is the future, and uh, it'll be fun to watch them progress over the next four years. On the women's side, Team Sinclair will attempt to follow up on what was an exceptional second half of their last season, a national championship, a fourth-place finish at the Worlds, and a victory at the prestigious Players' Championship Grand Slam. However, the team has undergone a lineup change over the summer, with Sarah Anderson stepping in at second for Vicky Persinger. How are you expecting the team to deal with this transition at the start of the new cycle, while also being focused on maintaining their form from late last season? Yeah, and they also have a, an addition of uh, it's Sarah and Taylor Anderson are both coming in. Sarah's the second, and, and Taylor as the alternate. Um, they're playing a very busy schedule this season, so um, so Taylor's going to be at a number of events, uh, um, playing, filling in in different positions. So they they actually, um, as a team, wanted to have a five man rotation, five woman rotation, and uh, so so that's uh, so they actually have five playing this season so um but yes uh sarah and taylor are going to be a great addition to this team uh there's no doubt uh jamie is one of the best uh, up and coming uh, skips in the entire world and uh you know she's she's uh you know works as hard as anybody out there and this team started i think in june uh with meetings and uh um, practice weekends just to get to, to to have time to get to know each other they've had three to four weekends where they've spent uh, um, bonding and, you know, doing doing team things. So I think that's going to be very beneficial to them starting the season. Um, they're, they're, uh, they were, they've always lived in the same area. You know, Jamie in the last quad moved to, uh, as we know, to Minneapolis and, and, and was there. So uh, got a, you know, was out on the ice practicing the same time as Sarah and Taylor because they, as they lived there and as well as uh, Alex and, and, and Monica. So um, I, I feel like this team is going to gonna build uh, really quickly and have the opportunity to build really quickly because they all live in the same community and, and, and can practice together and, uh, and spend time together. So um, I'm excited this for, for Sarah and Taylor, having, having coached them last year uh, as part of the Christensen team. Um, this is a great opportunity for them and, uh, and a great opportunity for Sarah to, to try a different position. She's been a, a vice or a skip for most of her career. So, um, 
you know, coming in and playing second and playing front end. I think she's uh, she's a great sweeper, so she's going to be uh, she's going to slide right in there uh, very well, I believe. Team Sinclair and Team Roth entered this season ranked in the top ten in the world, which means that both teams will have a bit more of a target on their backs this season. What do both Team Roth and Team Sinclair have to do to ensure that they can maintain the momentum they built last season and perhaps play their way to an even higher ranking? I think the most important thing for for any team. Um, you know, and especially these three teams, um, is is focusing on short-term goals. Uh, anytime you want to be successful in any sport or anything that you do, you focus on the short-term. You set your short-term goals for the weekend. You set your short-term goals for the game, and and focus on that, and if, and, and and reassess after every game. And if you if you can keep yourself just like in golf, if you know you take it one shot at a time, and you get up to the next shot, and you hit the next shot, and not try to think too far ahead. And uh, it's the same thing goes with curling. If the, if these teams can can focus on the present and focus on what they're doing, um, they're going to be able to continue because we know we're to, we know they're talented enough, we know they're strong enough mentally. So if they don't get themselves, if if, if their mind doesn't get in the way, um, there's no doubt that these teams are going to be able to continue down the road that they've had and the successes that they've had. Um, you know, they'll have a little. I I actually see it as 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 a positive. Um, for for the teams to have a have a, have some new blood, bringing in a new person, having some new energy, and uh, you know being able to get excited about playing with someone new. So I think that's a I look at it as a positive as well as we didn't we didn't touch on Team Roth, but because it's the first year of the quad, all these teams are playing you know busy schedules and everybody can't commit to to events. They also brought on a fifth in in Tara Peterson, so uh, which is Tab's uh, sister. So. Um, they they'll have a five man team too uh, for the season, so you know there'll be a few weekends where you see a different look with uh, with that team and with Tara coming out on the ice. So uh, you know it's, uh, we're working closely. I mean, as a program, that's the way we're 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 really trying to focus things, and uh, you know working with as I said with with Dr. Anderson to uh, to make sure their mindset their 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 thoughts are in the right spot, and they don't start to overthink things and think too far ahead. The third team in the women's high-performance program is Team Christensen, which has seen a bit of a turnover heading into this season, including the addition of Vicky Persinger at third. What does this team need to do in order to become a bigger part of the conversation on the women's side in the U.S., which is now dominated by Team Roth and Team Sinclair? Yeah, bringing in uh, Vicky is going to be a great addition to this team. Vicky is going to be moving from a front-end player to a back-end player. Vicky is someone who's very uh, smart when it comes to curling, and um, she's a great communicator on the ice. The one thing um, that team lacked, you know, Corey's team has always lacked, you know, some energy and some communication at times. So uh, I think Vicky's going to fill right into that role uh, very well. And uh, and then with uh, Jenna Martin having played with Corey and having those experience, and then we're bringing in uh, Madison Bear, who's uh, had had some success at the junior level. Um, played with Corey when uh, Corey won the silver medal in in 2016 in juniors, so she'll be back uh, playing lead for Corey. So um, you know, I I think that uh, the the key for this team is going to going to be to get their processes down right away. It's a new team, and to to, to make sure that they they are on the same page, that their you know their their training levels the same thing, and and that they're focusing on the same thing. I, I know that they're not playing quite as heavy of a schedule as the other teams. So so when they're together doing practice weekends and playing, they're going to have to have quality time and 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 quality practices. Um, you know, their Corey is no doubt one of our best shot makers uh, in the, in the country. Um, 
here for us uh, on the woman's side. She's proven that with uh, you know with her successes that she had um, in mixed doubles and you know obviously losing the on the last shot of the mixed doubles trials and and she's she's a great shot maker. So I think uh, you know adding Vicky to the mix with her and and being able to uh, to work with her and have it you know Vicky's got that experience of 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 world championships, of winning a slam, you know, of those. So that they, they can, if they can really utilize those experiences that Vicky had, um, I, I, have a, I have a feeling, you know, I, I actually see this team in the top 15 uh, at the end of the season in the order of merit. And, um, you know, I think they're going to give those two teams a run for their money at the, at the Nationals this year. So um, it will be exciting to watch all three of them. Uh, obviously, uh, Team Christensen going with the underdog role, or the the you know because they're the farthest back farthest ranked back right so um, you know they're gonna they've got to they've got to, to climb the ladder and they can can see where they got to get to so and being able to watch the successes that Nina's teams had and Jamie's team had only motivates them even more so you know I look for a, a great season out of these these ladies and and I, as long as they can. Um, be able to form as a team together and, and come together. I think it's. Uh, I think their opportunities are endless for them. And finally, Coach Phil, when it comes to mixed doubles, there seems to be two different approaches depending on the national federation. Some countries have identified mixed doubles specialists that focus on the discipline, while other countries, such as Canada and the U.S., have made it possible for players that play on elite men's and women's teams to also play mixed doubles. Is USA Curling planning on sticking with that approach in this new Olympic cycle? Yeah, we're going to stick with this with the same approach basically as 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 um, we had last year or the last quad, and you know we want our our top mixed doubles players um, out there playing on men's and women's teams or playing as much as possible, and uh, you know and that and that's happening. Um, you know, this I think next week we have uh, Corey Dropkin and Sarah Anderson going to uh, the New Zealand Games, then uh, following that they're going to the World Cup in. Uh, in China, so um, you know, there. That's one of obviously one of our top mixed doubles teams, and we've got uh, uh, Matt and Becca, our, our, our curling night in America team. So they'll be starting here in August. You know, obviously both of those teams what, very involved in a uh, in men's and women's teams. John and Corey uh, still together, um, still playing men's and women's. Uh, we've got a new addition on um, a couple new additions uh, in our program for mixed doubles. We we've uh, brought uh, Croy Nurnberger, Alex Leichter, Sean Baton, and um, and Derek McLean in the program as mixed doubles uh, players because uh, they're actually playing as a men's team. They they, they were you know they they're definitely our uh, one of our best teams on the men's side too. You know they were right there. They just just missed getting into the program but are in the program in mixed doubles and uh, as I said they're playing in a men's team but they're also playing with uh, with players within the program in mixed doubles. Sean has uh, formed a new team with Jamie Sinclair uh, so uh, in mixed doubles and Croy is once again playing with Nina Roth and uh, Derek McLean playing with Taylor Anderson and uh, Alex Leichter playing with uh, Monica Walker so we you know I think we've got a great talent pool on our mixed doubles side, we have uh, also Chris Blyes, who's formed a new team this year with Vicky Persinger. Uh, I look for that team to be very strong, um, both very good talents on both sides. So um, I, my philosophy or my theory on mixed doubles is 
the hardest thing about having just mixed mixed doubles specialists and they, is this they're not playing enough competitive games and enough competitive events um, whereas if you take these players that are playing at a top level and playing every weekend out on the tour and playing a handful of mixed doubles events as well or uh, you know three or four a year it still is going to add as the as we sh saw last year with John Morris and 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 Caitlin, um, you know, they can still keep their skill levels up, and they can and they can compete at a very high level in mixed doubles. So um, the addition of these World Cups has been great for for mixed doubles. Um, I think from our from our perspective, because we're now we're able to send. We also have uh, our second mixed the second World Cup is in um, Omaha, and we're having uh, Joe Polo and Tabitha Peterson who were a bronze, former bronze medalists in, in mixed doubles, so they'll be representing the U.S. in that one. And then the last uh, World Cup in uh, Europe, in Europe um, we will have Matt Hamilton and, and Becca Hamilton. So, um, yeah, well, I'm excited about the mixed doubles. We had a lot of teams playing this year and uh, a lot of really good teams, so it's going to be a battle to see who can, can represent us at the World Championships at the end of April. And that does it for this episode of the From the Hack podcast. Join us next week for the third part of our season preview, this time focusing on Europe with Bruce Mowat, Peter DeCruz, and Silvana Tiranzoni among our guests. If you haven't done so yet, please follow us on Twitter at From the Hack. I'm Frank Rock, and this is From the Hack.